We are back for another edition of Talking Football Direct, the Bundesliga show, your source for all things German football. I'm your host, Matt Herman, and this week we're just waiting for a whole slew of decisions to get made in the Bundesliga. Quite a few teams who uh, could have done themselves a favor didn't quite get there this past week. There were exceptions, though, of course. Bayer, Nullfield Leverkusen, Erste FT Union Berlin, and the favorite side of this week's guest, Brian Sanders of the Hey Eintracht Frankfurt podcast. Brian, I see you in your scarf. Are you just about down from the high you got up to on Thursday night? Just about uh, down? No, never. When it comes to making a finale, you can never take it for granted. Didn't take it for granted when we made two Pokal finals in a row in 17 and 18. And this one... I'm just here for the ride and playing with house money here. Nice, nice. That That is a good attitude, although, you know, considering the last uh, Europa League experience, which was oh so close to making a final, let's go two degrees better and uh, bring a Europa League title home to Germany, which is, God, that's been a long time. So we will be right back with the best and the rest of Match Day 33, including some talk about the Europa League and all the events there. But, you know, while I have you here, Take a moment to subscribe to the pod. Do leave us a five-star rating. That is a big help for us to get new listeners to discover us. And please do consider becoming a supporter on Patreon. We got lots of timeless content over there. We got more to come as the active season winds down. So it's time for part one of Talking Foosball Direct. This was the part where we talk about the best of the match day just gone. This was match day 33. And at least this week, we're going to talk about some of the European action because it was just so damn momentous. Anyway, if you're listening to this podcast, you'll know that the race for Europe, the relegation battle, they were, they're, they're just about as tight as can be going into this season's penultimate match day. Lots of teams had a bit of trouble coping with that pressure. We'll be getting to them later in the show, but we're going to start with the clubs on a high right now after picking up big wins. Of course, Leverkusen got a win to punch their UEFA Champions League ticket for next season. Union Berlin, they won to ensure they'll be in European competition of one kind or another next season. But I do want to start with the biggest win of them all, not a Bundesliga win, but something much bigger, maybe. Eintracht Frankfurt's 1-0 win over West Ham United in the UEFA Europa League semifinal on Thursday. Quite a game, quite an atmosphere created there in, uh, in, in Frankfurt. The Eagles now are through to the final against Rangers in Seville. Europa's best at Mannschaft. Yeah, yeah, that, that's what I hear. That's, that's, um, <laughs> that's something I've heard chanted a time or two. Brian, before we talk about their win in, in a little bit more detail, how does it feel just to see your boys finally make it to your European final? Well, for me, I had always thought that Eintracht had the possibilities to make it, but I always knew that once we would get there, I'd just be, you know, just counting down the minutes, the hours, the days until, like, Eintracht is playing in the final. I can't be any happier, minus until, you know, a kid is born. But otherwise, this is, to me, this is peak Eintracht in terms of, enjoying the highs that do come because the lows will be coming later on but right now just i'm floating on air and if one would uh one would think that uh i could sprout wings and just fly with the rest of the convocation of eagles 
then I think I would. There's nothing to hold me down. Yeah, yeah. Just just grab hold of Attila's talons and take a little ride. Let's talk about the game just just briefly. Quite a roller coaster, really. I mean, obviously Eintracht came into the game with a bit of an advantage, having having uh, picked up a good result in the first leg, but not enough of of uh, of an advantage to not worry about um, how things were going to go. You had Martin Hinteregger get hurt, come off early. That must have <laughs> sent you into a bad place. But, you know, just a few minutes later, uh, West Ham did you a bit of a favor. A bit of a favor, I think, would be uh, yeah, really a uh, nice way to put it. Considering the fact that, yes, Montan Hinteregger, he went down just, what, two minutes, three minutes into the match. You saw him just pulling his hamstring. He had an impact with uh, Mikhail Antonio of West Ham. who's You do not want to have an impact with that man. That man uh, is... A strong dude. Uh, the guy's thighs like are the size of freaking tree trunks. Yeah, it's, he's like Adama Traore level. <laughs> just huge. They're about as big as you will ever find on any guy. So from there, you just could tell it's like, okay, Hinty, are you going to get that magic spray? Kind of walk it off. He started trying to do that. Went, finally went down. So Torre had to be brought on. But yeah. Eintracht getting a little bit of a lucky break in the fact that uh, when Aaron Cresswell brought down the Eintracht attacker, and this and this one for me, I thought, you know, he, I thought West Ham uh, was going to get by on the L card. I'm like, oh my god, it's like a yellow a yellow card for a last ditch tackle on the defender so late. Now, granted, West Ham's defense was just kind of all over the place the first 20 minutes, so. That foul, you're thinking, okay, did they dodge the bullet? When the referee went to the monitor, I was like, oh, my gosh, this really is going to happen. Right about the time this is uh, – so I'm watching uh, <laughs> with uh, uh, folks watching the Rangers-Leipzig game. These are Scottish fans, and they absolutely go mad for their goal. I'm like, you guys are just, you guys just scored. Is this really going to be a 10v11? Ended up being 10v11. West Ham did a couple changes, but Bore coming on. Scoring his uh, goal, wonderful statuesque kind of salute to the fans to celebrate the match. At that point, yes, did I think that uh, we were almost free and clear? It didn't didn't stop me from quaffing my beer real quick, having a cigarette at the halftime just to settle the nerves. Because when you're an Eintracht fan, just because you're in a winning position uh, within the match and are up a man doesn't mean that you can take anything for granted because West Ham surely did not let us go by so easily. It was a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful match. Like, watch it. If you have the chance, watch it back. I mean, it's not the greatest matches you, you will ever see on the field itself, but the entire environment surrounding it was about as great of an environment as one could ever ask for. Yeah, yeah, I think, um, and and certainly heard from folks who were inside the stadium uh, on social media and otherwise, that this was, you know, the kind of atmosphere that most people have never experienced in in a Bundesliga stadium, including you know some very big nights uh, at places like like the Westfalenstadion and, and uh, or you know the Arena Auf Schalke places where you've had European nights, big wins. This was really something special. I want to ask you a question about Rafael santos Bure because I really did not find him very convincing in the early part of the season. He got himself into some good positions, I would say, but had had some difficulty making an impact, I would say, in maybe the first two or three months of the season. But he's become vital 
for you guys. I mean, he scored some really important goals. And, you know, I'm getting to the point now where, you know, after all this time, not really missing Andre Silva as much as I used to for you guys. <laughs> uh, well, look at the way that uh, Eintracht kind of set up. And it's no wonder that Bore has become such an ideal uh, man. Now, is Silva scoring the 20 plus goals in a season? No. Do miss that. It does mean that Eintracht's league finish it's not going to be anywhere close to the fifth place that we experienced uh, last season or eighth place that we experienced the season before when Silva was with us. But what he does do is he brings the midfield into the play. So, you know, whether it be Sol or Rota from the midfield, you know, flashing the ball up to Bora, he's able to very quickly be able to check off to his right or his left, whether in this case how Gessenslundstrom was hurt or Kamada to his right or out on the far uh, to his wonderful back-to-goal, able to then see Kostic or Knauf on the wings. He's able to involve four, even go right back to Rota or so in the center of midfield. He's able to get players involved that you really didn't see with Silva. He really was more of a kind of just goal poacher. Look at a lot of his goals that he had last season. They were very much like, hey, finishing off the attacking move. While Bore is getting everyone involved so that Kostic, Kamada, Lindstrom, Haugat, Knauf, uh, Chandler at times, he's been getting everybody involved. Sure, he doesn't have a lot of goals to his tally, but had a goal against West Ham, had a goal against Barcelona. The man is able to find the back of the net when need be, but not necessarily all the time. It's something that was indicative of him when he was playing at his previous club, River Plate in Argentina. If anyone does not know of them, they're about as big as you can get in the Western Hemisphere. <laughs> and he did a lot of the same thing with River Plate when they did have to go up against Brazilian clubs in the Copa Libertadores. He was able to play back to goal, body up against much bigger players. And when West Ham was attacking front set pieces, he definitely marked Miguel Antonio out of the match, indicated West Ham's very best option when it did come to their, their attacks from set pieces, and he's been doing that all season long. I think it's a matter of time before he starts developing that real cutting edge when it comes to taking shots from uh, attacking positions within the Bundesliga, so I'm anticipating him to be 10-15 goal, goal scorer from the Bundesliga itself next season, but so far, the match that he has created... It may have taken him a minute to acclimatize from Argentina, even at a very high level that is expected at River Plate, you know, with the Copa Libertadores and all that action, expected to win titles there, to a team that, you know, like Eintracht is not expected to win titles. He's actually transitioned rather well, and uh, we're seeing the fruits of that as we're now in the final of a European trophy. Yeah, isn't that amazing? <laughs> I guess maybe I want to spare a word, even though it doesn't really have a lot to do with Eintracht. But just the way West Ham handled themselves, not only in the game, which is to say, you know, with with the red card and 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 uh, and the way that they protested against the red card, which I mean. I have a slight bit of... Which one do you of, want to talk about? <laughs> well, sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I understand Cresswell did not necessarily intend to do what he did, but it was uh, a last man foul. There's really... It's hard to argue otherwise. It's also very hard to argue that, that David Moyes covered himself in anything other than shame 
on the night by, you know, sort of petulantly kicking out uh, at, at, at a ball boy that didn't throw him the ball the way he wanted to. And also the scenes we saw all over social media with Declan Rice after the game claiming that the referee had been bought. I mean, this was – I can't imagine other than people who are existing West Ham fans that anybody – <laughs> after the way they handled themselves on the night, is sorry to see Eintracht go through. Well, I mean, look at it. What happened in leg one? Uh, Eintracht got two goals. Uh, West Ham got one. In this match, you could say that, you know, if the player did not get sent off, which technically as the letter of the law does go, last man in that position, unless the foul is occurring in the box and then it's at the referee's discretion these days, almost like, you know, do you want to do the double jeopardy and punish by a PK and red card? You know, it was out in the regular field of play. And, you know, he was like, just took down the player, both looking for the ball, happened to take him down. But due to the obvious goal scoring opportunity that was denied per the letter of the law, that's the way that the red card came about. And you know what? West Ham still had opportunities to uh, get back in the match, and they didn't take it. They didn't take it when they had, what, what 55,000 fans in London against the small paltry allocation provided to Eintracht of 5,000. I'm sure if we had been given 30, 40, 50,000 tickets, we would have sold that legally. But, it's, you know, it's... The West Ham fans actually wanted to attend, unlike Barcelona fans. So at the end of the day, the magic of the Vodge Stadion came through. The magic of the fans pulled the team through. You had everyone really participating from Roda, Jakic, Hrustic, Ian Paciencia late in the match. You know, a big body that uh, was able to get a goal at this weekend's match and yet was able to kind of fit in that role of, okay, I need to body up against the West Ham midfield, Susek and Rice when West Ham does play. They're playing more on the counterattack. And Eintracht just kind of sat back and was like, hey, you want to try and take the ball away from us? You can definitely try. We will hold on to the ball. We'll just kick it around. I look at the amount of passes that Eintracht completed to West Ham's. It just dwarfs it. Eintracht keeping possession of the ball throughout the entire match. That's something that you only see when, you know, Eintracht takes on like a Greutherford of Bielefeld, you know, within the Bundesliga. And Eintracht looks so comfortable doing it. And now we're going up against this team that is not Leipzig, <laughs> thankfully, in the final. And uh, it's going to be a wonderful day. Sadly, it's in uh, Seville, a city that we were just in, in the round of 16, as we beat Real Betis over the course of two matches there. It's just a shame that it's going to be played in such a hot, hot stadium when uh, that stadium could easily be 150,000 and probably even then be sold out equally between Scottish and German fans of each club. Yeah, I guess maybe just briefly, since there's so much time now before the final happens, you know, thing, things can change, people can get into different form or get hurt. Who knows? What's your initial feeling? Obviously, this atmosphere in Seville is going to be <laughs> spectacular. I mean, these are like two of the most vociferous and, and large uh, sets of fans, at least uh, historically in, in the Europa League this, this season. How do you feel like the game is going to go potentially? I mean, you've seen Rangers. You, you said you were watching sort of with half an eye uh, at, at the uh, venue you were at with um, some Scottish folks watching their win over Leipzig. And you probably saw them take down Dortmund earlier this season. <laughs> Are you feeling confident? Very confident. Here is why. 
Rangers, wouldn't they have been, you know, away from home? And I saw this definitely when they were playing against Leipzig. And when they, in the previous round, when they were, when we were facing off against Barcelona and they were facing off against Braga. Yes, it, yeah, I'm very lucky at the fact that the venue that I was at happened to show both. Well, when your bartender happens to cheer for Glasgow Rangers, you let him have the smaller TV and you take the one with the sound. Yeah, for yeah, your in this country, phone. in America, if, if, if a team from the island of Britain is playing, they're going to be on the main TV. We all know this. Yeah, and... For me, you know, I was I was keeping an eye on it, and even against Braga. Now, Braga within the Portuguese league is kind of like once you get outside of the main three, there's Braga, and then there's a drop off into basically Dritta Liga nothingness in terms of uh, level of quality. Nothing against the rest of the Portuguese league, but it's well, just true. Prove me wrong. Prove me wrong in that capacity. But I looked at that at the way that they took on Braga and how they just sat back when they were away from home. But they went on the front foot when they were at home. So they minimized damage whilst on the road. Now, the result against Dortmund was just Dortmund being Dortmund that we have known all season long. When they faced off against Braga in Portugal, they kind of stayed on the defensive side. Only came out on the counterattack, but never in a manner that would have then left them open to a counterattack themselves. So sound defensively. But both teams are coming into this with very much defensive minds, but can pull the trigger when it comes to the attack in front. I actually love the idea of Eintracht utilizing its width, and I think that's where Eintracht will succeed. You got uh, Kostic on the left, you got Knauf. On the right, golly, he's blossomed in the the few months that he's been on loan with the Eintracht. And you got So, you got a a mixture of Jakic and Roda uh, next to So in the midfield. Ahead of that in the – hopefully Lindstrom will be back, but – you got Kamada, one of uh, the favorites on the podcast, or at least my favorite, on this Eintracht team, along with Bore. I'm all in on it. Hinteregger might be out, but the Eintracht team is uh, ready to take this one, and I'd love it, love it if Eintracht ends up being handed the trophy and you have old man Lakoto Hasebe at 38 years young lifting it for our second European trophy, first one since 1980, the previous version of this competition, and uh, yeah, bring on the Champions League to follow. Yeah, that would that would be quite a story. It would be brilliant to have five Bundesliga clubs in the Champions League next season. Eight teams across all three competitions. That's what's even better. The possibilities of any of the three that, <laughs> that we're going to talk about, from fourth all the way to seventh, all those guys can duke it all out. Yeah, we'll just slip in and to the Champions League by winning the competition itself. Yeah, yeah, why not? Eintracht, of course, haven't had the greatest year in the league, and they did play this weekend. They played another team who are basically stuck in neutral in the league in Borussia Mönchengladbach. It was a 1-1 draw. I don't particularly care about what happened in that game. Do you? Paciencia's goal yeah, good was the score. highlight this one, and – I will say it was a chance for us to say goodbye to multiple members of the Eintracht team. I'm in Barcock. Uh, born and raised Frankfurter is going to be leaving at the end of the season. Today was his final match at the Vaudstadion. Is, is it clear where he's going yet? Is he going to Hanover or something like that? It is still yet to be determined with him or with uh, Stefan Elsenker, uh, who has okay. been a very good uh, steward uh, wearing the Eagles crest. Danny DeCosta is another one who's leaving. He is leaving for Mites. Yeah. Uh, 
And of course, uh, I almost forgot. Uh, Sam Lammers will be returning to Atalanta from his loan spell. I 100% can guarantee he is not to return <laughs> to the Eintracht next season. So it was nice to see the players get a at least positive result in you know not losing against Gladbach. But when you only have Indica and Tuta and Kevin Trapp in the starting lineup from this match from Thursday kind of shows you where the focus is and uh, where the focus will be in uh, in six days' time when we face off against Mainz in the season finale. Yeah, and, and truthfully, that's another mid-table versus mid-tabler. <laughs> they could play it or they could just not play it. Who cares? Oh, no, no, uh, no. Okay. The, Mainz, the Mainz folks want to play us. They want to beat us, and we just don't want to lose to them uh, whilst not losing our focus on the bigger prize at hand on Wednesday the 14th. I know. I know. It's funny the way – Mites it's, it's, it's one of those uneven rivalries where Mites really, really likes to get a piece of, of Eintracht, and Eintracht is – they're kind of bothered about it, it seems. It's technically not a rivalry. No, you guys are kickers off and bach. Kickers, you know, historical. Darmstadt with a secondary, which could still happen next season. Uh, But you'll have to listen to the Ausstieg edition of this podcast later in the week with Nick Vildhawken and the lower division crew. You got it. But man, you're doing you're doing show promos for me. I love it. Okay, so we we got a couple of more matches to talk about that were sort of uh, decisive. These are actual Bundesliga matches. Leverkusen's late season resurgence continued. You could say they went to Hoffenheim. They won four two. Kind of a wild west shootout of a game. Hoffenheim went up twice in the first half, only to be reeled in and ultimately vanquished. Patrick Schick with a couple of goals in that one. Happy to have Leverkusen back. In the Champions League, Brian, or are you, you know, kind of mad on it? It's a squad that is capable, has the resources already on hand to be able to, you know, make one or two additions in case they lose uh, one player, you know, because, you know, Leverkusen, Leverkusen, they usually will, like, sell one or two guys off at the end of the season. Them qualifying for the Champions League, you want to have your strongest in the Champions League and compete within the Champions League. Now, they ended up having a right run in the uh, Europa Pokal. Didn't get to the semifinals. You know, shame on them for that. That would have been nice to have that. <laughs> and more German clubs in the semifinals, um, in case anyone does not know. 2009 final of the U- then UEFA Cup, which is what the Europa League turned into, was the last time a German club was in the finals. So it says it all right there. But I'm looking at this in almost another venue in terms of this ends, like this seals off Everyone who's in the top seven is now guaranteed to be playing in uh, one of the three European competitions. So Leipzig, Freiburg, Union, and Köln. For them, this was the most important result that could have happened at the match. Absolutely. It meant guaranteed that whatever they did, they were good to go. And uh, it makes me almost wonder when it comes to Hoffenheim, what is next for them? Because, you know, they had so many issues uh, last season in terms of not being able to get their feet underneath them. And suddenly it looked like, okay, they might. For the longest time, I thought Sebastian Honus was going to lead them back to Europe, possibly even into the top four. I still think that he is a very talented coach. I now have to wonder, it's like, does the Hoffenheim board suddenly scratch their head and wonder, it's like, hey, why is it that we're finishing outside of Europe again? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it is interesting. They look to have the inside track for quite some time, but they have fallen a long way over the last couple of months. It 
I've been reading that um, you know one of their crown jewels, you know, in David Raum, might actually be on the uh, on the, the sale block. You know, there was some talk about him having a, a release clause of thirty million euros. Apparently, Kicker says that's not true, and that Hoffenheim might be you know looking to, to cash in even more. But you know, anytime you hear things like you know West Ham. The aforementioned West Ham and Tottenham Hotspur both are taking a good look at this guy. I mean, you know, when Premier League clubs come in and they wave 40, 45 million around, I mean, it's hard to say no. These are facts that the, they can't they can't get around. They may have financial backing that will rankle some of the uh, Traditions Bahrain fans. But, you know, at the end of the day, even they have to live in the financial reality that is the current landscape of European soccer post Hopefully, hopefully post-COVID. Yeah. All right. We got some uh, a couple other results, you know, like Leverkusen getting that big win away from home. Union, they also got the job done on a, on a little Auswärtsfahrt <laughs> down in Freiburg. But, you know, not like unlike the seesaw battle that, that happened in Zinsheim, this one was pretty much a laugher. Union, they were up 2-0 half an hour in. They were up 3-0 at halftime. They basically could cruise through that second half. I was legit shocked by this result. Um, maybe not by the fact that Union won because Union are good, but just how easy they made it look. I mean, they they crushed Freiburg in this game. And Freiburg, they hadn't lost a game in like a month. <laughs> what in the world happened here? I mean, if we want to go back and look at some of the results that Freiburg has had, look at this and the previous two matches. And Freiburg has now conceded 10 goals in their last three. Mm. Now, sure, they won 4-3 to three against Hoffenheim at last weekend. But even when you win... And you, but you still concede three goals. It is kind of a little bit of a head scratcher. Now, I almost kind of wonder if maybe they're starting to tire a little bit. But so long as they're scoring enough, it kind of doesn't matter. But I can look at them like I have kind of looked at Leipzig in that they've tailed off a little bit when it's come down to the stretch. And suddenly what looked like possibly them going into the Champions League is now completely in doubt, which kind of stinks for them because – I. Th- Freiburg is a club that no one dislikes. You just got to appreciate what is there with Christian Streis, what he has been able to do. The club didn't get ransacked over, you know, the offseason. So you thought, hey, you know what? This could be one of those years that they can really play up, get, you know, finish in the higher echelons of the Bundesliga rather than, you know, toying around with, you know, relegation survival. And um, they kind of, yeah, they kind of took it from Union and they just kind of looked deflated. I mean, as one who has recently taken a shellacking from Union, well, granted, it was after we had just done well in Barcelona. We then got very thoroughly beaten by Union, who now, thanks to results with Hoffenheim falling to Leverkusen, they're guaranteed for a second consecutive season participating in Europe. So that means that the Olympia Stadion will have UEFA competition, just won't be Hertha in that competition. Yeah. 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 I mean, but it, it's, it's fitting because, you know, they paid for all that, um, all that red carpet <laughs> to cover up the blue track. <laughs> so they're going to get another year's use out of it. it it's, it's only, it's only cost effective uh, that this should be the case. Real quick. About Freiburg, it is definitely disappointing for them to, to to sort of lose the advantage that they had over Leverkusen. It hasn't quite slipped through their fingers just yet. I mean, there's there's one more week to play, and it could still go their way. Pretty crazy, you know. They're they're selling Nico Schlotterbeck to to Dortmund, but signing their old Matthias Ginter on a free like. 
that was a real flex, I thought. 100%. For them to attract a player who's played for some big clubs and who decided not to sort of, I don't know, he was trying to go to Inter and other places, and I guess that didn't really work out. But that's a that's a big move, man. 100%. I think that says a little bit to what Freiburg might be able to do long-term, having moved to their new stadium, more modern events that will, you know, hey, uh, we're, we're both Americans here. We know what happens when you get a bigger, shiny, newer stadium with much more premium seating. Oh, yeah, hospitality oh, yeah. suites, that, baby. Those are, those are, like, we love uh, having our 5-euro, 10-euro tickets, but so long as the, the big wigs can pay a lot more money and there's more of them to pay that big money, Hey, it's going to – now that they're guaranteed playing in one of, you know, for Freiburg, the Europa League uh, or the Conference League, or hey, you know, they can still make the Champions League. You know, they just have to have some stuff work their way. But, I mean, for them, this move was one for me in my mind that we know we're finishing in Europe. We want to have a real go at Europe because, you know – Everyone hasn't forgotten how they fell in the second round of qualification the last time that they were trying to do Europe. And I think they want to have a real go at it. And if, you know, Schalterbeck is the only jewel that happens to leave the Freiburg crown, then I think Freiburg will do quite well within the Bundesliga next season, in addition to balancing Europe, which has always kind of been a little, little difficult point when it comes to Everyone who isn't, you know, Bayern Munich. Yep. Interesting, though, that everybody was looking at that Leverkusen versus Freiburg match as a potential sort of, you know, showcase showdown on the last day. And, you know, the air is kind of taken out at this point. I mean, now that Leipzig are facing Bielefeld on the final day in Bielefeld, granted, but, you know, Leipzig are good and Bielefeld stink. So we probably know how that one's going to go out. Exactly. Yeah, let's finally, before we wrap up the first half, just mention that, you know, Leipzig result from the weekend. Freiburg's loss was really Leipzig's gain, as long as they were able to take advantage of it. But they they certainly, certainly did. They pretty much destroyed Augsburg. It was a 4-0 win for them on Sunday. Pretty much one-way traffic, I thought, in this game. You know, I didn't watch the first 15 minutes or so, which I hear there was a couple of chances for Augsburg, but everything I saw was going Leipzig's way. Any thoughts about the fact that they came out and played so well after really having a disappointing time in Glasgow on Thursday? It does not uh, surprise me one bit because the coach, the players, they had been hearing everything that, oh, you lost to Glasgow Rangers. A German team should not be losing to a Scottish team regardless of who is the name on the badge. You know, how in the past month they went from, you know, getting to the Polka final, then suddenly you get beat by Union, then you get beat by Gladbach. Like it was the losses just kept on coming and you kind of wondered, oh, wow. The Leipzig car had run out of juice or run out of Red Bull in this case. And you just kind of wondered, okay, so they're falling at the wrong time. Is this team just, you know, donezo? And uh, we were proven totally wrong. That I mean, it was, again, against Augsburg, and they did still have Bielefeld yet to play. Now I think this is more of a they wanted to come out and respond. They've got themselves set very much for Champions League qualification. And, you know, I'm pretty sure that when it does come to playing Bielefeld, they're going to show up for the first half, take care of business, and then be thinking, all right, we're off to Berlin. Yeah, that would that would be the, the best possible outcome for them. 
All right, we're going to take a quick break and be back with part two, the disappointing half. It's part two of Talking Foosball Direct, the part where we talk about the rest of Match Day 33. I called it the disappointing half, mostly because it's uh, about teams who lost at uh, inopportune moments. I guess maybe I want to interject one thing at the top, which is a team who lost, but it didn't really hurt them. Uh, Cologne, uh, they lost 1-0 at home to Wolfsburg. Really, what could be more Cologne? than to play at home in front of a sold-out crowd, huge buzz in that city, which is a pretty big uh, football town in terms of interest in their home team. They played not very well. They lost, but they still qualified for Europe because of that big result going against Hoffenheim as well as a couple others. Former Cologne man, Yannick Gerhardt, was the guy actually to put the stake through their heart that, that somehow missed the heart. You wouldn't guess that this was a loss, though, after the game. It was so perturbing. The, the Cologne <laughs> fans stormed the pitch. They, they, you know, picked up, you know, Anthony Modest for a, a little spot of uh, crowd surfing. But, you know, what can you do in Cologne? When the people of Cologne decide they're going to party, you're not going to stand in their way. It reminds me of when Cologne finished in fifth place, what, like four or five seasons ago. Everyone was so excited because they're like, oh, my gosh, we're in Europe for the first time in forever. And, hey, yeah, kind of like in how when the Eintracht fans found out that uh, Rangers had defeated Leipzig or first were beating Leipzig and then they're like, oh, my gosh, we don't have to play. It's like the idea of not having to play Leipzig in the final just made the fans just so jubilant at the – Deutsche Bank Park. Eh, it's really the Waldstadion. Who am I kidding? For yeah, for the Cologne guys, finding out that you know business was being taken care of by Leverkusen. You know, a little pesky little gnat from down the road. You know, the, this is going to be one of those times that they'll say to one of the few Leverkusen fans that they might know at work, "It's like, hey, thanks, bud. Uh, we'll beat you next time around. But uh, thanks for taking care of business for us for qualifying for Europe. And what we're going to see in." Uh, in the fall, is the Cologne fans will travel in mass, kind of like the Eintracht fans have shown, and I guess Cologne did show in their last four in Europe. And mm-hmm. the question just is for Cologne is like, okay, what you got planned for next season? Because we all know how that uh, European campaign and the Bundesliga campaign went, and that was uh, epically bad. Yeah, yeah. You would hope that this time around, with the squad that they have, with the coach that they have, that their success might be a little more sustainable. But, you know, it wouldn't be Cologne if the trajectory didn't go, you know, wildly up and down. Okay, let's let's move on to some of the results that uh, actually did have an impact on some teams who wanted to get wins to help themselves but couldn't quite do it. Three of them together. Let's enter the relegation conversation part of the podcast. Three results. I'm going to go through all of them and we can sort of take them all all, all um, at the end. Bochum, they got a 2-1 win over Armenia Bielefeld on Friday night. You know, as we saw Cologne doing their celebrating in the stadium, Bochum didn't quite do that, but they did have a hellacious street party last weekend. Uh, if you haven't seen footage of that, it's, it's pretty great. And, you know, Bochum geographically is a weird city there's like weird sort of like terrain there so like lots of great sort of big 
you know, natural bowls in the city center for people to gather in. Really, really cool. Anyway, they didn't take their foot off the gas against Bielefeld. So that had an impact on Bielefeld's hopes of staying in the league. Their hopes are now very, very slim, but not totally gone. Oh, come on. It's done. You'd have to you have to be very intoxicated to believe that Bielefeld still has a chance of staying up at this oh, point. Oh, I, I know. I know. I mean, if they win 4-0 uh, against Leipzig and Stuttgart lose 4-0 against Cologne, I guess it could work. The other results, Hertha, you know, huge missed opportunity for them. They had a big crowd in the Olympiastadion. They, they were holding on to a 1-1 scoreline heading into the last 10 minutes of the game. But, you know, Stefan Bell had a set-piece header goal nine minutes from time. Schade, schade, schade. Uh, And then finally, Stuttgart on Sunday. They battled to a 2-2 draw at the Allianz Arena against Bayern. And, you know, Bayern, they've earned the right to not have to play well anymore, I guess, but it was not fun. I mean, I haven't rooted this hard for Bayern since like the 2012 Champions League final when they were playing only, you know, the most... (laughs) vile club in the world, but what a great lot of good it did me that time and this time. Um, I hear you have some thoughts, maybe even thoughts that you described to me as hot takes about the relegation fight. I'm going to be checking the temperature, so, you know, bring them in hot. (laughs) So, look, look at the the way that uh, Bayern is. I mean, okay, so they won the title, 10th title in a row, all sorts of questions. It's like, well, is the Bundesliga competitive, body, body, blah. Mainz then pumped them, like, last week, just pumped them 3-1. It should have been way worse, way worse. I mean, you saw Lewandowski kind of look around, just kind of like, what is this? Like, this is this isn't Bayern. This is like a Groyta Firth playing against a much bigger opposition. And you know, they come and, well, I mean, gosh, you can't blame the players for, you know, wanting to go out and party. Well, you can't because then they come back. You come to your home match where you're supposed to lift the trophy and everything. You're supposed to make everyone smile. I seem to recall a couple years back, when I was at the 18-19 season, Eintracht got shellacked 5-1 by Pyron on the final day. Pretty brutal uh, one at that. I try and put that one out of my head if I'm brutally honest, but... The way that Bayern just kind of was looking like they were just drunkenly walking through uh, this match. And Stuttgart was playing 10 men behind the ball all match long. You know, they got that early, early uh, eighth-minute goal. And I was feeling, hey, they've got a real chance here. You know, Muda, Gnabry, you know, right before the half, boom, boom. They think, oh, job done. We are Bayern. No one can lay a glove on us. Except Stuttgart came back. Good on for the Swabians to like get a goal back there. And I actually thought, whilst watching this match, uh, as it was, I actually thought there's a serious chance that Stuttgart cannot just tie this match. They can, that they can get the win, which would then put you know the final match day in such serious doubt that you yourself, Matt, would be scared for <laughs> this existence within the Bundesliga and. You know, it, it, so Stuttgart didn't get uh, the win. You know, they're stuck now on 30 points. There's a, in case anyone has not seen the table, it's a 14 goal goal difference. It's kind of daunting. So Stuttgart is still consigned to the relegation plow. But I would actually have to look down to the second division and say that despite them all beating each other up all at the same time, like 
we're going to see one of the like craziest days in the second division to kind of get that team to finish either in second or third. And you're going to come up against a Stuttgart team who's going to be on fire because I'm predicting that Stuttgart is going to lay a smackdown on Cologne and they're going to take on in the home leg against whoever comes up. And it's not like they're going to go up against any, you know, like small team, like, you know, uh, a Heidenheim or something like that. They're going to go up against likely a Hamburg or Bremen, a team that's full of your Bundesliga level guys. And they're going to put that one of the worst beatdowns that we've ever seen in the relegation playoff on a team that should be able to play up to them. And we're going to possibly start having that discussion again of whether we need to go back to three going down automatically because the relegation playoff outside of one-offs such as Stuttgart versus Union, they only happen once a decade. And uh, I think that Stuttgart is going to just run through their next three matches and cause the Bundesliga to have a rethink and officially announce that no longer is the relegation playoff going to occur. Well... It sounds like a nice story, uh, but, but this is all assuming that Hertha are able to get a result against Dortmund uh, next weekend, or do you think that they're capable of putting a hellacious beat down on whoever they're going to have to play in the relegation playoff? Matt, look, we're friends, but I'm gonna, so I'm going to shoot it to you straight. If Hertha gets into 16th, I mean – like, if Heidenheim was the team from the Zweite Liga that you guys would be facing, I'd be worried still. But at this moment in time, I'll give the rundown for clubs that could do it. Bremen, Hamburg, Darmstadt, all three of those teams I've seen can take on Hertha. All three of those teams can take a shellacking from Stuttgart. Stuttgart plays in a way that, you know, if they didn't get just decimated by injuries, this team should have been easily mid-table. Like the quality in the squad that they actually have is quite ridiculous and one that screams, you know, developmental team that just needs to get by before they make that kind of leap. Almost like, I mean, you could almost say that maybe a Cologne uh, has done because they were, what's last season, 16th place, survived by the skin of their teeth, and that still is much the same squad that's there now, you know, one or two additions and a new coach. And suddenly they're finishing in the top seven. So it's completely out there for Stuttgart to do. And that's a team that I have a lot of time for. They have, to me, one of the most underrated defensive midfielders in yeah, the entire Bundesliga in Indo. Yeah, Patru Indo is cool as hell. He's wonderful. And for me, if Stuttgart was to go down, that would be the first guy that gets sold, but the only guy to get sold. And, yeah, no one was expecting this sort of Stuttgart praise from an Eintracht fan because our ultras are the most chummiest of uh, ultras. <laughs> but for me, I mean, yeah, I'd, I'd still be worried, Matt. Still be worried because Stuttgart's got those horses. I am still worried. I am still worried. Yeah. Look, I, I agree for the most part with your assessment of Stuttgart. I think that in terms of, of talent and in terms of system, uh, they're, they're just better than Hertha. I mean, Hertha have managed to grind out some results, which, you know, you have to earn them. That's, that's, I'm not going to take that away from, from Hertha, but I would feel a lot more confident about Stuttgart's chances against any of those sort of aspirants for the Asta Liga than I will be about Hertha if if they're in there. So, yeah, 
whatever. One more game from the weekend. Not really hugely consequential. Dortmund, they went to Fürth. They won 3-1 to the surprise of, well, not really very many people. Erling Holland, no goals again. There's been some talk about him, you know, maybe settling his future in the coming days. I mean, of course, his, his super agent has, you know, moved on to the next level. I don't know if that's going to have a hell of a lot of impact on if he goes or where he goes, but it sounds to me like uh, the saga, <laughs> Norwegian saga, it's going to come to a close. Uh, do you think that's 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 where things are headed? Is that a good thing for Dortmund to move on? I think at this point it's been a long coming. The Dortmund ultras themselves have heard so much noise that they're like, you know what, we liked you, but now there's so much noise around you that we're just like, you know what? There's the door. Please leave the bag of money on your way out. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. I, I had always thought that he was going to be a Real Madrid player just because he seems like that fits his self-concept as well as the fact that he likes, you know, sunshine. Who doesn't? But now that I, I saw Manchester City just completely uh, lose it against Real Madrid because they don't have uh, a top quality striker, I can't imagine that City is going to let themselves be outbid for his services by anybody. Yeah, now, if they can just get him to think that that misty rain is a, is a nice way to live your life. Yeah, they got that oil money pumping through their veins for helping these players set up themselves and their next generation of wealth be all secured for basically, you know, for the end of time for all the, some of the players that are end up being like the top end guys. Performers like Kevin De Bruyne is one who comes to mind from the Bundesliga who was able to find his feet in Manchester. And uh, that boy's got Scrooge McDuck money. At this point, and Holland will be swimming in it. I have no doubts. Yeah, yeah. It 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 really seems hard to swim in all those gold coins like they do in the in the Scrooge McDuck <laughs> comics. I mean, I don't know. I mean, it, 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 you've been in a ball pit like when you're a little kid or whatever. It's it's not like water. You can't just dive in. It takes some work. So with all the coins, I, I'm just not buying it. Not buying it. So that is all for this edition of Talking Foosball Direct, which was produced, as always, by Aiden Rantoul. Really good to have you back on, Brian. It's wonderful to be back on again, talk about all things Eintracht and, I guess, a little bit of the other 17 teams that make up the Bundesliga for, I guess, one more match day. Oh, I mean, you, you talk about the other 17 teams in the Bundesliga on, on Hey Eintracht Frankfurt. You've had me on True. before, and I'm, I'm sure you have other, other sort of, uh, you know – People coming behind enemy lines. As you know, the, he's he's a man of, of podcasts. Check him out uh, on Hey Eintracht Frankfurt if uh, that's the flavor you like. Maybe just to prepare for the uh, Europa League final. You might want to check in on them. May 18th, everybody. May 18th. Oh, yes. May 18th. Uh, if you want to connect with me, I'm at Mr. Matt Herman on Twitter. Talking Foosball Extra is coming up in a couple of days talking about the hot, hot Twitter Bundesliga promotion race. Talking Foosball Fantasy, as you may have heard, they have ridden off into the podcasting sunset already. But do not miss their Twitter Spaces event on Friday at 8 p.m. Central European time. Anyway, this is some Nixon Mullion. Mm-hmm.